Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers, with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kirk Damon. This episode is brought to you by the Pelgrim Visitors Bureau and Historical Preservation Society, preserving the future by preserving history. And welcome back, everybody, to the Star Wars Episode 8 prediction episode, which is Episode 12 of A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy. I am your host, Ben Siders, and with me is your other host, Kirk Damon. That's Kirk is in the Captain of the Enterprise. I can't make a Star Wars reference, unfortunately, to that name. Uh, yeah, although I could go with a Ben joke with Ben Kenobi and uh, Ben Solo, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, so, uh, when you listen to this, Star Wars Episode 8 will be debuting later this week. There have been a lot of speculation about plot points swirling around the internet. Uh, we asked you all to send in your Star Wars Episode 8 predictions. We have compiled them, and we are now going to go through them and say whether we, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down, do we agree or disagree that this prediction will come true or not, and then after we've seen it 800 times over the holidays, we will come back probably sometime in January and score and see whether a Kirk or I or you guys, how accurate we all were. And a couple things about this, definitely for those of you who are regular listeners and have listened to the show repeatedly, this is going to be a law light episode. Um, a lot of it's because we're obviously sort of, you know, in holidays. We, we figured, you know, re- the listeners would prefer something that's not necessarily, you know, heavy technical. Uh, if nothing else, you're probably on winter break. Um, and so, therefore, it's we figured we'd just sort of do a little more science fiction. We also get commented um, a lot of times in conjunction with the show, why do we do so much Star Wars? It's going on. Yeah, and I think that's, we wanted to kind of address that question. This is a good place to do it. Which is, there's a lot of Star Wars going on right now. There's obviously Star Trek, and we've been sort of paying attention to the Star Trek, uh, the new Trek. I know and the Infinity War trailer. We watched that the other day. Yeah, we both watched the Infinity War trailer, and like now I'm dying to see it, even though I'm not that big into superhero movies. <laughs> no, it, it looks terrific. Well, what, one legal thing we did talk about on the way over here, uh, we wanted to do some sort of Star Wars musical theme besides our, you know, besides Laura Mipsum and the Scriveners, which is our um, cantina band. Uh, we wanted to do some sort of. Uh, I told Kirk I wanted to play like the the starting tones of the Star Wars theme song, just the initial chord, just the initial chord or something. But we we weren't actually sure if that would get us into trouble or not. Uh, just to show you how dicey these issues are, that's almost certainly a fair use, I would think. But you know, why invite the difficulty? Yeah, I mean, there's the issue of you know three seconds, you know, multiple chords. It would just be one chord, presumably. At the same time, it's a chord everybody knows. I was talking about one it's of my the favorite, most recognizable yeah. chord. <laughs> one of my um, one of my favorite Star Wars moments is actually, and admittedly, you know, not necessarily the greatest movie but episode one so episode one opening night in Boston and when I saw it I still remember because we came in and you know I went with a bunch of people from MIT who had seen it already a number of them were on their third or fourth showing but we went in and they start up the thing and they, they pop up the screen. It does, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And when that screen comes up, all of a sudden the, the, the whole crowd just went silent. Like there'd been, you know, lightsaber battles running around, all sorts of stuff happening. As soon as that starts, like the whole crowd just goes completely silent. You could hear a pin drop. And as soon as that cord hit, there's this just roar cheer yeah, coming from the, the crowd. Went to too. And it was just so awesome because it was like the, you know, hey, we know exactly what this is and what we're in for. Have there been long lines for these? Like, remember for when episode one came out, people were literally camped out for weeks. Yeah. Well, I have to admit, so I have tickets to my episode eight tickets, and I'm kind of annoyed because I don't have them opening night um, because the vast majority of the local movie theaters went through Fandango, who decided that apparently my IP address being older is somewhere in Japan. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and wouldn't let me buy them because of that, so See, I'm actually I, the next the next evening over. But I'm at my favorite theater, so I avoid opening night on purpose. I just I don't know. I I, I love the Star Wars films; they're fun, but I 
I'm going to be taking all my kids with. I just don't want to deal with the hassle of fighting the opening night crowds and all the fanboys and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, see, we don't take the kids when we do them, partially because of the fact that my daughter's still a little scared of lightsaber battles. She's not too fond of Your kids are a little younger than mine. Yeah, they're a little younger than yours and stuff like that. But the the big thing I would remember with opening night is it's, and and the thing I always thought was great about opening night was not so much seeing the movie opening night, it's the fans you see it with. And that's what's really fun. You get guys in costume. Um, I don't dress up, you know, when I do it that much, but it's, you know, I have like a Star Wars t-shirt I'll wear and stuff like that. But, um, you know, like episode three when we did it going in, and it was that was right when the um, the gallery, uh, the um, Regal Theater had just opened here in St. Louis, and when they did that, you know, they they basically were just adding screens uh, for people who wanted to come in, and we were one of the the big screens, early early people, and it was great because you were standing out in line just having a great time, and that was also the one where the theater um, got really smart and basically let everybody into the theater, and then sent somebody around with all the concessions. So you didn't even have to stand up to oh, buy concessions. It was fantastic. Everybody was filling their popcorn. We were all like, you know, getting completely sugar buzzed, you know, eating too much of the candy <laughs> that they were passing around. I remember for <laughs> episode one, uh, so I did not wait in line as much of a Star Wars fanboy as I was at the time. I was living in Iowa City back then, and I was walking by one of the little art house theaters that was showing that and nothing other than episode one. <laughs> nice. And somebody I knew from this ISP I worked at happened to be like third in line and had been there for literally weeks. <laughs> and the person he was with had gotten sick and couldn't go. And he oh, saw geez. me and just said, hey, Ben, do you want this ticket? And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> so I got to go to episode one on the opening night on the first showing, and I waited a total of four minutes in line for it. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah, we did episode one. Like I said, I went with a bunch of people from MIT. Unfortunately, there was a group of us. I went into one theater. So a bunch of friends of mine went and got into the second theater. Um, pretty much MIT, the, the group that I went with, had bought out over the entire theater's worth of tickets. And um, unfortunately, the other group that went in at one of the pivotal lightsaber battles near the end of episode one, the film actually broke. Um, oh, wow. And it burned. So they could actually <laughs> not put it back on. Um she ended up did actually. The projectionist survived. The, the, the projectionist riot? did survive, partially because the manager came out and gave them like five of the you can come see any movie you ever want at the theater, including coming back and seeing Star Wars for free. Wow. Um, and so they came back the next day, and it was, you know, the, it wasn't that big of a deal, but they, they only missed probably the last, you know, 20 minutes. But at the same time, missing the last 20 minutes of episode one is pretty much it's the only part of the show that we're seeing. Part of episode one. <laughs> that's, that's so true. Let's get into our predictions here. We've got, uh, I think, 25 or so. I cut some of them out we had some that were duplicative um, of things other people had suggested and uh, and some that I I sort of revised and edited to be a little more interesting so we're going to go through these and uh, and keep score and uh, you you don't need to have any deep knowledge of Star Trek or Star Star Wars Wars. (laughs) if you've seen uh, you definitely don't need any knowledge of Star Trek if you've seen episode 7 this should be relatively straightforward. If you haven't seen episode seven, why are you listening to this yeah, podcast? We'll, we'll explain you know, the joke behind some of these as we go. So the first one is one that I wrote. A character will say the line, I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> true or false? It's got to be true. Yeah, Somebody's going to say it. Though I have a further prediction. Um, my, my statement is, I think it will be said by a character who does not speak English and will have to be translated. Yeah, see, I've got, I've got Poe as saying this. And let's, let's go into why we have this. Every, I think, all of the other movies movie. have had this line. So who yep. says it? And four. Um, um, Han Solo, Han Solo does, says, yep. I think, right? And then five is Leia when is they're Leia. inside the, the asteroid monster. Yep. He says it in Jedi, though. Um, no, it's C-3PO. C-3PO. C-3PO, yep. yeah. yeah uh, and, and I haven't watched the prequels enough for obvious reasons to, to remember, yeah, but I know um, it's in there. Anakin says it in the first one, if I remember correctly. 
Um, in, in episode one, I can't remember who says it, in episode two or three. I don't either. Um, three might be C-3PO again, but... Could be. But uh, yeah, someone's going to say it. That uh, that one's an easy one. I've, I've yeah. got Poe. Kirk has some some character who does not speak yeah, English, my, and it's going to be subtitled. My, my assertion is, and who I think it's going to be, is either Chewbacca or Chewbacca's new sort of, you know, companion in the Millennium Falcon will say something, and it will be translated as, I've got a bad feeling about See, this, too. they've never subtitled Chewbacca's lines, though. I think if they did that, they'd have to have him do the Wookiee sounds, and someone goes, yeah, I've got yeah, a bad I mean. feeling it's, about it's, this, too. Exactly you know? that is it's going to be he's going to make the sound and somebody's going to say I've got a bad feeling about this too and I think they're going to do it as the joke of having a character and that could also be R2D2 yeah I'm going to say it could be a droid all right, uh, our next one, uh, Princess Leia dies. Yeah, I gotta go. And yeah, that's that's gonna be true. I see. I've actually got false on this one. I don't think they're going to kill off the character, uh, but we're gonna get to another prediction later. Yep. I do think she's going to, for obvious reasons, exit the narrative. Yeah. I just I don't think they're going to kill her. I think they're actually gonna kill her, and the reason I think they're actually gonna kill Princess Leia, I have the feeling it's going to be, and this is sort of my take. I have my take would be uh, they probably rewrote the script to allow it to happen. There yeah. was probably something where she was going to exit because all the primary filming anyway. was done when Carrie Fisher died, yep. I think. But I think they may very well have her die um, in conjunction with it, partially because of the fact that I think they can make it a very moving moment mm-hmm. in conjunction with the movie, particularly given the circumstances of Carrie yeah. Fisher. Um, and I think, quite frankly, it, it, to me, it, it's almost a fan service moment. Yeah. But it's a fan service moment that would be, and I think, incredibly poignant for what it's trying to say, particularly with Kylo Ren having killed you know, Han Solo. Yeah, one thing that kind of makes sense with that theory is this is, uh, obviously, we have a new trilogy, 7, yep. 8, and 9, and in the traditional three-act structure, Act 2 is your darkest, lowest yep. point. It was that way with Empire. It really wasn't that way, I guess, with the original, with the prequels. It kind of is. I but mean, the prequels had no real narrative structure anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, the darkest point in many respects is the early components of 3. Yeah. Um, I think of that, but there is kind of some dark moments, and there's a lot of, I think, also with 2 in the thing, is it's the dark, it's the setup, the mm-hmm. dark setup of you know what's happening, you know that he's now down the wrong path. I mean, you have the dark moment. You have the um, the attack on the Tuscan Raiders, which yeah, you know, arguably is pretty dark. dark moment. Well, and then the, the middle movies have all had that scene at the end. So Empire has the scene where you've got Luke, Leia, three PO, and R two standing in the at the window watching the Millennium Falcon take off. Yep. And then the same basic scene is mirrored at the end of Episode Two. Yep. I'm expecting that same scene to be the end of Episode Eight. It's just a matter of what's the configuration of people that are there. Yeah. And I think that's potentially going to go off and searching and stuff like that. And again, it's I think it's partially going to be because I think Leia is also sort of the the primary leader of the resistance, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Mamafa, obviously, but I think Princess Leia being the primary feeling of the resistance, I think that does give it that darkness. And again, I can see it being something where they do it. In some sense, they they do kill her character off. In some sense, as a tribute to Carrie yeah. Fisher. I mean, this, as strange as that sounds, I could definitely see that. And see, part I, of it's based upon like the idea of the way they used Tarkin in Rogue One. Yeah, you know, which was a very sort of honorable you know presentation of him, and I think a, a very Cushing. nice, yeah. yeah, a very nice presentation of the actor himself. So, I, see, I, I actually think uh, the reason I think they won't kill her character is because Carrie Fisher passed away. I, mm-hmm. I think that will that may just hit people a little too hard in the feels. Yeah. Um. So, and I got a prediction later on about um how they are going to honor her, yeah. but. I, that's, that's we have our first disagreement on point two, whether Princess Leia dies. Uh, <laughs> prediction three is Chewbacca dies. I'm going to say false on that. See, yeah. I've actually got true. His character kind of doesn't have a purpose anymore other than to fly the Millennium Falcon around. He, he doesn't, but at the same time, Chewbacca is a, essentially a versatile actor. Any actor can arguably play Chewbacca. That's true. And so Peter my argument can is, barely walk anymore. Yeah, he's the easy one to keep in as a sort of continuing process for a while because there's no requirement of any one actor. Um, and I think that's that's the reason I have him is I think he will be the last one of the original trilogy to go. 
Um, I think they've got to sort of sense. work their way through everybody else first, just because he's such an easy character for anybody to play. See, I, I originally had thought they were going to gradually kill off all of the original cast because one, these actors are go- are getting older yep. and they're going to start to become unavailable. Uh, you know, whether for health reasons or for general, I don't want to do this anymore reasons. Uh, and I also thought they just wanted to clear that sort of uh, narrative space to make room for new stories. But I, I also read the other day that they're they're really not going to continue with these characters after this trilogy. They got Rian Johnson doing the new a new separate trilogy but yep. uh, according to Daisy Ridley like this is it Ray's in this trilogy and then she's gone so uh, maybe they're going to avoid that problem there's no need to kill everybody off yep. because they're just going to drop this, this storyline it will move far enough in the future because obviously they're going to be a continuing storyline they'll move too far in the future that they're all gone yep. anyway we have two disagreements now. Okay, uh, prediction four. Uh, Hayden Christensen or Ewan McGregor have cameos as the ghosts of Anakin or Ben Kenobi. For those of you who don't remember, uh, Hayden Christensen played uh, young Anakin Skywalker in the prequels, and uh, Ewan McGregor played the young Ben Kenobi. What do you think, Kirk? I got it with false, just because I really hope that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly I'm saying false because I really don't want them to have cameos in the movie. You know, perversely, I think I'd rather see Hayden Christensen get a little redemption. He's not a bad actor. He just had a horrible director for those prequels. I'd like to see him get a little acting redemption by coming back and having like four seconds. I don't know if he says anything or not. Just like as Anakin's force goes. I mean, he's he's 10 years older now. When did those come out? Those are a long time ago. Almost 15 years older now. I'd I'd like to see him just for a second. Um, But I I, kind of think, I mean, I, I put true on this, more optimistic than anything. I sort of think they're avoiding a whole lot of references yeah. to the prequels because there's so much fan ire around those movies. Yeah. I put false on it again partially because I just don't I, I, I don't really want to see them come back. And yeah. Particularly my thing with Hayden Christensen is I think the presentation of what Kylo Ren is Kylo Ren's sort of veneration of Darth Vader it needs to be Darth Vader. It needs to not see, be and that's Anakin what I'm thinking is stage. they'll have Hayden Christensen show up to humanize Vader a little bit and show Kylo Ren like no like I ended up being redeemed I was a good guy my son saved me you're heading down the wrong path which would add to the conflict of the Kylo, Kylo Ren character. But I, see I guess that. you don't need Hayden Christensen specifically to do that, yeah. but anyway. Okay, uh, number five. Kylo Ren executes a high-ranking officer as punishment for failure, like Admiral Ozzel and Captain Nita in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Captain Nita. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, those are actually some of my favorite scenes in Empire Strikes well, Back. It's, it's just, character building scenes for Vader. Yeah, they're so good. I actually put True down for this. So did I. Though, I'm not sure it's necessarily going to be an officer. Quite frankly, I can actually see this being a droid as well. Oh, yeah. Um, was one thought I had because, you know, he does He likes to smash equipment. He likes to smash equipment. And that's where I was wondering if he might actually try to go after a droid or something like that. Though, at the same time, I think an officer does make him a little bit more evil. My take of what it, of, of where it would potentially come from is it's him trying to be like Vader. Yeah. Pushing the character towards, hey, he is getting this, you know, sort of jackbooted uh, thug. don't seem to get along. And he came close to killing Hux in the in episode seven a couple yeah. times. And Hux is kind of crazy and unlikable anyway. Yeah. That might be, you know, a, a scene that, like, the fans are like, okay, I don't... I don't like Kylo Ren, but I really don't like Hux. And yeah. so if Kylo Ren kills Hux, that's fine. Um, so yeah, I've got True on that one too. I don't know who it will be, but uh, I've got True. Number six, there is a reference to something from the Timothy Zahn novels. I think we have to explain this one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so I mean, for those of you who don't know, the Timothy Zahn novels, the the three novels that were written sort of as the sequel to Return of the and they Jedi. they were written before the prequels. They came out um, in the yeah. early 90s, I think. Early 90s. I they remember were somebody reading them in high school. Yeah, they were written to be the sort of, you know, follow on the next trilogy after Return of the Jedi. But they um, took place right on the heels of it, like, yeah. like a year or two after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, a lot of it was 
was the idea of the empire reeling um, and sort of you know coming back and the mopping and up action, the mopping so, up yeah. actions of the rebellion and sort of trying to capture the empire, <clears throat> but at the same time the empire becoming um, sort of becoming a force again. The things I have with the, the Timothy Zahn novels, one, I actually think they're extremely good stories, and I think they're very well, they're very interesting in the way they work. If you were to translate universe. sort of the feel and theme of Star Wars into a book, he did a really nice job of that. Like, yeah, they're even structured. They all open with a space scene. Like the narrative structure, all is very very Star yeah. Wars. They also use a lot of like, neat things of like explaining sort of things that I don't think had intended long term meaning mm-hmm. in a lot of the movies. But going forward, I mean, the cave being the the major one that sort of like, explains some stuff that just logically made no sense, especially in Return of the Jedi. Like yep. the Empire has twenty thousand Star Destroyers, and the Rebellion has a, a tiny handful of ships which were mostly destroyed. Once the Death Star gets blown up, why didn't the rest of the Imperial fleet just annihilate yeah. <laughs> the rest of the rebels? They yeah, just like the, vanished. The big thing I think they had with it is the idea that effectively the Emperor was required for coordination. He yeah. was essentially a beacon that was necessary to coordinate the Imperium. And he was so like, deeply was entrenched so in his army that once he was gone, they were kind of listless and leaderless and didn't know what to do. Yeah. So, well, the reason I think so, what do you think, Kurt? True or false? I put false on it, and the reason I put false on it is. Well, I can see it happening because of the references that occurred in Rogue One and them obviously doing it. And it's been stated that they will not overturn the Timothy Zahn trilogy. Well, and the Rebels cartoons, too. Yep. Have Thrawn, uh, Thrawn, have Grand to, Admiral uh, Thrawn is the main character, the main antagonist in the Zahn novels, and he actually appears in the Rebels cartoons. Yep, he's going to appear in it, and it's a big deal. So the reason I don't think there's going to be a reference into it is because I think they're trying to, while they don't want to overturn it, I don't think they want to specifically endorse, it. endorse yeah. it either. I think they're leaving that to Rebels and to the animated series to sort of further that part of the explanation. So I put true on this one, and, and you'll find out why, uh, I think, if I mark these consistently. I may have hedged my bets, but... So I'm going to say true, and I'll go one further. I think th- I think we're going to find out that Luke had a wife, and it was Mara Jade. <laughs> now, now, they may not say Mara Jade by name, but I'm expecting another flashback-type scene like we had when Rey touched Luke's lightsaber, where she sees Luke with his wife, and it's a red-haired woman, uh, which is clearly a reference to, to Mara, Mara Jade. Jade yeah. So... That's my thoughts on that. Okay, number seven, Vader's castle from Rogue One will be in the movie somehow. I like this as a prediction, quite frankly. I did too. I hadn't thought about it. And and I came back with this, and I actually said true. I said false, but we don't agree on anything. <laughs> yeah, we're not agreeing on anything. The reason I actually said true in this is because, one, I think the Vader's castle was an extremely popular thing. From it was supposed to be an Empire Strikes Back, yep. and I got cut in editing. And it's something where I could see it being something for Kylo Ren, whether done as a flashback or, or for Ren. It would make sense that he'd go there. Like, if he's seeking yep. Vader's guidance or whatnot, that he'd go there and... That's my immediate take, is either Kylo Ren goes there to seek guidance, or Ray has a flashback associated with the castle, somehow associated with Vader. I could also see that as well, because remember, it's not actually Luke's last lightsaber she has, it's Anakin's. That's true. Because Luke's is, the green one's presumably gone. Yeah. But where happened to it? He Wait, throws it at the end of Jedi. He throws it at the end of Jedi, and the assumption is it falls down the shaft. Or gets blown up with the, yeah, okay. You know. <laughs> All right, uh, number eight. Uh, yeah, eight. Luke had a wife, and Ren killed her. <laughs> I got true for this and one, you got obviously. true for this one. This is the one thing that we've had a lot of fun with, and you'll hear some of my predictions later. I say false, and this ties into I'm putting all my later. eggs in this this Luke's wife basket. <laughs> you're, you're going to Luke's wife basket, but you also play off of of why Luke has to have a wife, which I don't think he needs. Yeah, I know, and that's part of this as well. We can get into that one later. I think as to what it is, and just sort of move from that. But we definitely got you have there, and Ren killed her. If he has one, probably. Yep. Um, but I think we've got, you know, where we're going from there. So This next one I love. I hadn't even considered this. Lando Calrissian will either make an appearance or be referenced by name. 
I put false, but I'm, I'm reverse <laughs> jinxing. I so badly want to see Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian. I see. I say a true in this one. The reason I put a true in it is because of the fact that it's. I'm pretty sure he's going to appear in the Han movie. And, oh, you're right. And so you're I can right. very well see them referencing him set as a up. setup for that, as to who he is. In case you haven't seen episode, um, you know, seven. Yeah, sorry, yeah, episode yep. five or six. Um, so that's this would be the point in the structure where he shows back, and they haven't really talked about like what happened to him. Like he yeah. just disappears. He was such a key part of of. I mean, he blew up the Death Star. Like he yeah. won the 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 space battle. Yeah, I think it'll be a minor reference, but I do it. think it'll potentially happen. So, all right, number ten, <laughs> Poe and Finn will have their own separate buddy adventure while Ray trains with Luke. True. Well, I, I, put, this as, so I put this as false because what? I don't think it'll be a buddy adventure. That was my but sort of argument with it. Buddies, like. I think they're going to do something. Yes, there's going to be something that they go off and do, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be a buddy adventure. I can very well believe that they actually right. go off in different directions, but it's they're obviously going to be involved with each other. I think it's just what do you consider a buddy adventure? Yeah, I guess I didn't think else. about that part. I just kind of thought if they're together, it's going to be a buddy adventure, but I guess it doesn't have to. Be. Yeah. All right, eleven. Uh, this one is this. May, this is my absolute favorite of all the ones <laughs> we got because this is insanity. It's so crazy. It could be true. <laughs> Snoke is. <laughs> Snoke is actually Boba Fett, who escaped the Sarlacc pit and looks all messed up because he was partially digested. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it. It is 10,000 years. I mean, so, you know, yeah. presumably Boba Fett would stay alive well, for I, the entire I digestion period. Put false. Uh, I put false, yeah. It's so ridiculous. But. Now, you, you know the reason I put false, and I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna say this as to who Snoke is. Mm-hmm. I said this after the end of episode seven. I'm no longer convinced this is true, but I think Snoke is actually Luke Skywalker in disguise. Um, he actually appears that way because it is a disguise in order to conceal who he is because he is training both sides. Yeah. Yeah, that could that could very well uh, turn out to be the case, especially with the the gray Jedi references they yep. got. And, and and that's the thing I've had with it is it's I think Luke the the argument I had at the end of episode seven again seeing the previews for episode eight sort of tends to be a different direction, but you never know what a preview is going to do. Was the idea that effectively Snoke and Luke were both the same side? He has realized the fact that the Force requires balance, which means it needs dark and light, and he is the only remaining Jedi, so he is training both sides. The next one I put false on, and I, I, I'm not going to change my bet. We're, we're following dude rules, so you can't change things. But uh, <laughs> Number 12, Captain Phasma takes off her helmet. I put false, but the more I think about this, when you've got Gwendolyn Christie in your cast, you know, if I'm her... And, uh, and they want to feature this character more. I, I, th- I think I insist upon having a chance to take the helmet yeah, off. Yeah, I, I put true. And the reason I put true for Captain Phasma takes off her helmet is because I think most of the fans were actually very annoyed with Captain Phasma not being as cool as she should be. I'm really having no role other yeah. than basically being <laughs> a trash shoot. Yeah, being thrown in a trash shoot and being sort of the kicking bag for when they're trying to get yeah. off the, the Death Stars. And so it's I think I see Captain Phasma taking a much more major role. I can very well see her taking off her helmet. Um, just because of the idea of presenting the fact that she is a, a sort of sergeant, you know, in this I, I think she presented as effectively a sergeant or something along those lines, but definitely an officer of the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it, her taking off her helmet will make her much more of a character akin to the fact that we the, the stormtroopers are no longer faceless thugs, so to speak. I mean, we've already had it happen in, in conjunction with Finn. I can very well see him happening with Captain Phasma. And again, partially because I do think they want to introduce just introduce the fact that the actress is the Captain Phasma character. All right, number 13. Somebody will say a line like, no, I am your father to Ray." I put this down as false. Somebody's going to say that line to Kylo Ren. <laughs> I can believe that. I put that down as false as well. The reason I put it down is because I don't think Ray's going to find out who her parents are in this movie. That's a separate one we've got coming up. So. Okay, number four. Uh, Ray is a Skywalker. Note that I said a Skywalker, <laughs> not necessarily Luke's daughter. 
I've you already got, know my answer to this one is. I've got true. I've got true on this one, and mine is the, the key of this there is not necessarily Luke's daughter. Um, yeah. I believe that Ray is Leia's daughter. I believe that, and, and I've, I've been and I've had this discussion. So here's my prediction in conjunction with it: Ray is Leia's daughter. She is from a, so lack of a better term, fling that Leia had, or that. Um, Leia had after Han left, mm-hmm. um, and my prediction is with Poe. You've been um, on this. this I've been hunt on this for after a while. We first saw episode um, seven. Just with the idea that Poe is a roguish character, she fits with Leia's personality as to what Leia likes. Well, that's a good point, though. And is. the idea I had with it is that effectively Leia is pregnant with Rey when Kylo turns, mm-hmm. um, and that's the reason why Rey is hidden. Is because she basically had not informed anybody about this. That's the the sort of poignant scene we see in the flashback. Um, is them basically hiding Rey because of Kylo's action. Actually, it's, it's based on my timing in there because obviously that she couldn't to be pregnant that, for the that's the thing that, that's the but, one problem with that is the timing's not quite right because yeah. Kylo Ren and Rey are, are I think meant to, we're meant to think they're around the same age he yep. seems a little older than her maybe I think she is I think, again, I think he is a little older because again I think it's Kylo Ren and you have the issue with Han you know, Ray is born. I think Leia is. It's but she's he could be off away. in isolation with Luke and yeah. not realize that he's got a, a a sister. You know, it's it's certainly possible. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a way to make it work. Yeah, there's always the possibility they're twins, but I think they're going to move away from the twin and basically just say they are brother sister, but they're not necessarily twins. And I can very well see them having different fathers. So I've got I've got Ray being the daughter of Luke and Mara Jade, and it's not a terribly creative or imaginative plot line. Um, but this is Disney. I, I expect him to play it a little safe here. I'll, <laughs> I'll be honestly, I'll be very disappointed if I'm right and it's that boring. But you know, there's that one line in seven where where um, Maj Kanata says that was Anakin's lightsaber and then it was Luke's lightsaber and now it calls to you. I'm like, all right. I, I thought where she was going was, oh, and by the way, you're Luke's daughter too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I, that's that's just my hunch based on on because movies and nothing else. <laughs> <clears throat> um, okay, uh, number fifteen. There will be some reference to something Han did in the past that winds up being the plot of the Han Solo standalone <laughs> movie next year. <laughs> I think even a somewhat true statement. I say, um, I'm saying true, yeah. I th- I think we're not going to know about it. We're not going to be able to decide this one until that movie comes out, really. Seriously. So, uh, but yeah, I think, they, they, I think they'll do that. Yep. All right, I love this one too. Number 16, Jar Jar Binks was actually a Sith Lord manipulating everybody all this time, and Snoke is his disciple. Um, I love the drunken master concept, the idea that, that uh, you know, Jar Jar Binks actually was essentially a you know, Jedi master, Sith Lord, something along those lines, and just didn't realize it or was doing was concealing it. I think that's a sort of fun theory, but quite frankly, I think it's false. I think it's ridiculous. I think that they're. That, I don't think Disney wants to anything true. to do with Jar Jar Binks. Oh, you know, uh, so I, I looked this up to see if this was like, had any traction or somebody's just messing with with us and there was an interview with George Lucas I, I guess earlier this year where somebody actually raised this fan theory with him and he did not outright dismiss it <laughs> and George Lucas being who he is you know I, well, yeah. I can be able to see him either being like you know what that's crazy I'm going to go with it because it makes Jar Jar Binks <laughs> seem, seem less like a miscalculation um, yeah. well I've seen the argument with Jar Jar Binks being a drunken master the idea of, of following the particular you know yeah. tenets of, of martial arts where basically you pretend to be incompetent but you're not and the idea of like you know when he's, he's attacking the droids, the fact that every time he kicks his foot, the blaster hits a droid. Yeah. You know, those types of concepts being with it. I think that's a cool theory, but I, I don't think it was intended. Apart when you look at the structure of those movies. Yeah, like, I just don't think it was intended. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, looking back at the first one, it's hard to Im- impose any narrative structure on the first <laughs> film. I, I'm still not sure what Palpatine's ultimate goal was or yeah. why the things he did got closer to that goal. Yeah. Um, but it, it didn't It didn't seem to me like his goal was for Naboo to be liberated. No, I always took that the idea of what he was trying to do was simply lead to conflict. He was yeah. trying to create the conflict, which would which get him in Which is basically the plot of all three prequels. But, so. Okay, yeah. um, 
number uh, 17. There will be an important post-credits scene. I've put this down as false I because they've false never too. done post-credit scenes, but I do think they will do something post-credits for Carrie Fisher or maybe I, pre-credits. I, th- I think there will probably be some very nice, um, again, sort of an honorarium type of thing yep. at the end of the credits. Um, knowing you know Star Wars fans, I think the average Star Wars fan will hang out through the credits regardless, even if there isn't anything at the end. Again, they don't, usually don't put scenes at the end of Star Wars. Mm-mm. And the reason I don't think they'll start now is because while that is a common thing, it's known for certain movie franchises. Like the Marvel it's known films for the Marvel films, that, films yeah. and stuff like that. And again, I, I just don't see them going down that route. I don't think they want to start that, partially because if you even think about it, one of the keys from the original Star Wars was was um, George Lucas changing the credits. Originally, you remember you had the lead actors were in the credits at the start, and he didn't want to do I that because for a while, the Screen Actors Guild required certain credits to be yeah. at the beginning of the film, and Lucas basically said, no, I'm going to use non-union work, and we're not going to do that. Yeah. And, um, and he so, puts those right at the end, where you have the initial flash-ups, which used mm-hmm. to be in sort of the, the beginning of the movie, and again, I just don't see them going down that route <laughs> while it's becoming a big thing in movies. I just don't see them going down that route with Star Wars. Yeah, me either. Uh, if anything, Star Wars has been too too slavish to its its formulas. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Eighteen. We will get an explanation for how the First Order gets the resources to run a massive armada of starships. Oh, good lord, no! <laughs> no, that doesn't explain anything. That, that's that's not what Star Wars is about. This is if anything, fiction. Star Wars is about under explaining what's going on. They leave all the expanded universe stuff yes. to fill in the gaps. This is science fiction. If a star destroyer can hover in a planet's atmosphere in, in Rogue One, we do not need to explain where yeah. they have the resources to build it and and then take off without destroying everything. <laughs> Exactly. All right. uh, So I've got false for that one, too. Number 19, the final climactic lightsaber duel will be between Luke and Kylo Ren and will be the mirror image of the Vader fight at Empire Strikes Back with Luke defeating Kylo Ren and telling him that Han and Leia are not actually his parents. Luke is his father. Kylo will realize that this will be why killing Han Solo doesn't actually make him stop being tempted by the light side. Uh, No. Yeah, <laughs> although this comports with my overall theory, I don't think they're going to have Mark Hamill doing fight choreography. No offense, Mark, <laughs> if you're listening. I actually tagged him for this podcast episode. <laughs> he didn't want to come on, unfortunately. Uh, but no, I, I don't think – I think Mark Hamill would be misused in that role. Yep. I think he's much better in the Ben Kenobi wise master role and uh, and, and saving the action for, for Ray. Well, it's not one of the prequels in this. I do think one of the potential predictions with it is does Luke survive this movie? Um, I think that is also one of the potential, you know, sort of questions in conjunction with this. And while I think there is a very good argument that he doesn't, um, I think he will. I think he will, and it's. I think. I think they're going to kill off Han, Luke, and and maybe Leia. They're going to exit the narrative at least. So episode seven was Han Swan Song. Uh, eight's going to be Leia's now since Carrie Fisher's gone. I think they originally planned for. I think they originally planned to nine. Well, or into nine. So I think eight will be our our farewell to to Princess Leia, and the nine will be Luke. Yeah, but I think the other thing with it's sort of knowing the filming was done, they can use scenes that they would cut as her as a ghost yeah. later on and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think the thing, the problem I have with this one is it's just a little bit too specific as it to is. what it is. I also don't think that killing Han Solo doesn't actually make him stop being intent with the light side. I think that actually will turn him more towards the dark. Mm-hmm. But I think he has to have the inherent conflict of what it is. His conflict is just simply more outspoken than Vader's is. And I think some of this is they're going to go a little bit opposite. Vader was basically the jackbooted thug who Luke was convinced could be changed. Mm-hmm. We don't see that until the very end. I think this is going to be a little bit the opposite. We have Kylo Ren being much more of a conflicted character. At the same time, I think we're going to see him turn darker and darker and darker. 
All right, number 20. This one requires some explanation, too. <laughs> Snoke is a shaman of the wills. That's W-H-I-L-L-S. So the explanation is that the, the wills was originally a narrative element of the original Star Wars script. Uh, the wills were like these semi-immortal demigod-like beings that kind of observe what was going on. And this is like a common narrative device, like Lord of the Rings uses it. And, and the Star Wars saga we're seeing is them retelling the story like in the future, which uh-huh. is why it starts with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, that that whole plot device was dropped from the final story uh, very wisely. But the concept of these wills, and like in Rogue One, um, uh, Kirit Inway, is that his name? The, the blind monk? Yeah. He's like a, a, a keeper of the Temple of the Wills, these guardians who are sort of Force-like but not Jedis. Um, so that concept was reintroduced into the story in Rogue One, and a shaman of the wills would be like... A, a Jedi or I guess a dark side practitioner who is extremely deep in the force because they're directly connected to these divine beings. And that's that's the explanation for, for who Snoke is and where he comes from and why he would not be a Sith. But they lack midichlorians. It's a really interesting theory. I just think it's a little too inside baseball. Yeah, I think it's a little too inside as well. I mean, again, it's an interesting theory. I mean, I like the kind of sort of the, the idea of, of suggesting it, I think, as a, as a theory. I have to go with false um, with it. My thing with it is, is that's I think we're going to find out who Snoke is. I think Snoke is a character who's going to require explanation. I think that's going to come in this episode potentially. I think he's just going to be a new character. I don't think they're going to like try and tie him back to yeah, anything. Yeah, I've wondered if it's you know he may just be entirely. But I think we're going to need some past story of him. And again, I can very well see that coming in in this. Maybe that's where the Zahn thing comes in. Like he, he references like, like Grand Admiral Thrawn yeah. brought him back from the Outer Rim or something uh, was like it that. Cathan, whatever the, um, the the Dark Jedi oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. in, in the oh, Timothy Zahn novels. What's his name? Joris uh, S- S- uh, Kaboath, Saboath. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number 21. Princess Leia does not die at the end, but she does have to leave and never return for some reason. I'm saying true. That this was your this be. was your true one, and I yep. know this is the alternative. This is where I obviously said false because I do think she does die. <clears throat> um, but I, I think this is an interesting idea of a potential explanation of the idea that she's sort of sent away for something. Um, the interesting thing about it is I could very well see them doing this as it's a, like she's sent on a mission and does not survive the mission, mm-hmm. which would be, again, I think a very nice swan song from Princess Leia. My thing with it is, is I just, I really see them doing an actual, you know, presentation of she dies on screen as a sort of, you know, an honoring tribute to her. Yeah. I think she's going to die very, very honorably. The one thing that gives me pause in saying uh, true on this is that I, I watched the compilation of all the trailers that have come out, and there's the scene they set up that Kylo Ren's in a TIE fighter, and he's targeting the the main rebel ship yep. that Princess Leia is presumably on, or at least it's it's cut to make it look like she's on it. And then one of the newer trailers that's come out shows Poe Dameron looking at that ship while it explodes. Yeah. At least it looks like it's that ship exploding, which would suggest that she was on it and she does die. If if they do kill her off, I hope it's not that like boring, you know, not not boring, but like she's just on, on a ship that gets blown up and that's that. Yeah, I think I, I, again, but I can very well believe it's going to be something as a as an interrelationship between her and Ray, or sorry, her and um, Kylo Ren. Between it, I think there's going to be some relationship there. There's going to be something that they're going to call out, uh, make conjecture. That's what I think a lot of people have said with the trailer. Obviously, that trailer could very well be potential mis- purposeful misleading. Like the first Does not one surprise was. me all. Um, but again, my, my take of it is I think she's going to sort of die very honorably. I think a lot of people were sort of upset by Han's death, but it's one of those where, to me, I was actually not upset by it. I actually thought it was a, a sort of honorable way for him to go as a rogue. It sort of fit him. It made sense narratively. Um, and, and the idea that he sort of became a good guy in the end and it cost him. But my thing, again, sort of with it is 
I see it as being a very honorable on-screen death in conjunction with it, something that will do it. I can very well believe there will be a major funeral scene for her in the mm-hmm. movie, sort of like the, the celebration scene at the end of the, you talk about the idea of the, the picture and the, the, the thing flying away. I could believe that is related somehow to her funeral or her, you know, her death. It could be. The other reason for it is she is a force active character. And so I believe they can kill her off in this additional um, films that she has. She can easily come back as a force ghost. It's true. She presumably has the ability to do so. Well, they said they're not going to use CGI to recreate her image. Yeah. Uh, but that's where I can believe they've simply cut some text. If she had extra text, they could simply use that in the future for a few other movies. Okay, 22. The scene from the trailer where Ray, uh, sorry, where Ray lights her lightsaber in the rain is her fighting a vision like Luke did on Dagobah. I've got false on this because there's another scene where Luke is also laying on the ground in the rain saying, this is not going to go the way you think it will. Yeah. So I think, that's, I think that's the real Luke telling her... I think at that point she's storming off for some reason to, to go do something and he's like, this is not going to work out yeah. like, like you think it is. So. I give it as a true just because of the fact that I think there will be a scene like that on this. I think we need to have her sort of fight something with the dark uh, the, the dark side. I think it's going to be in this the arguably Jedi library, which we I think we see her enter alone at mm-hmm. one point in time. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily that scene, but I think we will have the vision, her fighting a vision of some form, um, which may very well be a flashback as opposed to a yeah. flash forward. Uh, the next one is Kylo Ren saves Rey from Snoke. I've got this down as true. I'm not saying he necessarily turns on Snoke, but maybe Snoke is tormenting her or something, and Kylo Ren intervenes to save her. I've got it as a false. I've got it as a false because I think that happens in the third movie. Okay. Uh, okay, 24. We don't actually find out who both of Rey's parents are. i got false. I'm sure you've got true. I've got true, and the other reason is I think we may very well find out who one of them is, but I don't mm-hmm. think we'll find out who both of them are. And finally, the Millennium Falcon is destroyed. False. I've got false. It's too iconic. That it's would too, make yeah. so many people mad. The, the issue with the Millennium Falcon they, toys, then. Yeah, you can't make Millennium Falcon toys in there. And the very creation of the Outrider, I think, in conjunction with Shadows of the Empire, say what you like about Shadows of the Empire of a story as to what it is. They could have just, you know, talked about that. You know, it was intended that the Millennium Falcon was going to be destroyed in Jedi, was going to be destroyed sort of in conjunction with that. They didn't do it. It's too iconic. It's too much of Episode Seven being there. I can very well believe that the Millennium Falcon will be the lasting top always to the original trilogy. Or the droids. Or the, the droids. droids. But I, I can very well believe that they'd make it the Millennium Falcon just because of the fact that it, it has no narrative relevance, but it can always be there. It can be an antique. It can always be there. If it's still there now, 30 years later, why yeah. wouldn't it, why wouldn't it, would it not, not endure? Okay, those are our predictions. So, you know what? I hope, hopefully we're not... If we get to the end of this and it boils down to whether the Han Solo movie <laughs> decides the winner, then we're going to have an entire year of drama on this. All right. Well, that's that's all we've got for our Star Wars Episode Eight predictions. Thank you for all of you who submitted them. This was really fun. Okay. So and we our, said no law at all except for a little intro. Eh, a little bit at the beginning. Our next episode uh, will be very special. So this episode will be, will be releasing the week of uh, the Star Wars movie. The next episode will come out the week of Christmas, and oh, what an episode it is. <laughs> so Kirk and I— More Star Wars. This is how dedicated we are to you, our listeners. We have both sat through the entirety <laughs> of the Star Wars holiday special from the late 70s. Ugh. And let me tell you what a painful— extra. You know what? Save it for the next episode. We'll save it for the next episode. It is excruciatingly bad. <laughs> I would literally rather— sit and just stare at a blank wall for two hours. (laughs) So we're going to talk about the Star Wars Holiday Special in the context of how you scrub things off the internet that are (laughs) embarrassing that have somehow gotten out there. So, uh, So that's the next episode. Now, 
we are actually recording several episodes today to make sure we have content for you over the holidays. So we will not be able to get to uh, new questions. But our, our next episode will be that. And then on the week of New Year's, we're going to do Mailbag Day. And we've already got a ton of questions for that. But if you do have questions, please send them in. You can reach us on Twitter at LGGpod. You can email us at LGGpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can talk to us on our Facebook page, search for Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, and you will find us there. If you like what you hear, give us a review. We appreciate it. It helps other people find us. Also, we do other things on the social networks. You can find me on Twitter at Benjamin Siders, and Kirk is at Kirk Damon. That's K-A-R-K-D-M-N. Yep. It's abbreviated, so it's not as long. Uh, So there's the music, and it is time to go. Thank you to the official LGG band, Lorem Ipsum, and the Scriveners. Lorem, play us out. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This podcast was produced and recorded at Cool Fire Studios in St. Louis, Missouri. 